Would you pray with me? Father God, we are eager for a word from you. We trust that you speak to us today, wherever we might be coming from. Would you remind us who we are and who you are? Would you give us ears to hear your address to us today? Amen. This message of Ash Wednesday, that we are dust, is sobering good news. It's sobering to remember our frailty, and it's countercultural, like Jenna mentioned on Sunday. Some of us feel immense pressure to succeed. We are measured, assessed, and evaluated. And this message of Ash Wednesday that we are dust, that we are mortal, creaturely, and small, sobers us. To remember that we are dust is stark and unsettling. We are not God. We are people who will die one day. And this sobers us in the face of our illusions of self-sufficiency and self-improvement. The message of Ash Wednesday is sobering good news. But God's message to us on Ash Wednesday is also good news. When we remember our essential dustness, we see a different story than the heavy yoke of performance and perfection that our world offers. The good news that we are mortal and shall return to dust allows us to receive the love of Jesus anew. It is good news that we are creatures. And it's good news that we are mortal and frail. It is good news that we don't hold our own futures. The message of Ash Wednesday is sobering good news. So as we encounter this sobering good news of Ash Wednesday together tonight, we're going to notice a few of Jesus' words to his disciples. We've been journeying through the Gospel of Mark together as a church, so we'll pick up after the transfiguration where Jenna took us on Sunday. Um, Now we've come down the mountain. We're going to read these words that Jesus says to his disciples as God's words to us. Hear these words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He, Jesus, did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. 
he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. So as we look together at Jesus' words to his disciples, I believe God speaks to us in three ways. First, to remind us of God's story and our part in it, to reveal to us our self-deception, and to show us that Jesus is enough. First, Jesus' words remind us of God's story and the sobering part of our role in it. He was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. In one sentence, Jesus proclaims what we as Christians say is the central event of history, his death and resurrection. And as people who follow Jesus, this is our story. Betrayal, death, resurrection. And when I read this, I love the part of Jesus' sentence when he says, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But I struggle with the part where Jesus says, before that, the Son of Man will be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. These words confront me. Hearing them feels like a slap in the face. Because this is what I hear. The Son of Man will be betrayed into human hands. Betrayed into human hands. Betrayed into my hands. Betrayed into our hands. Remembering that we are dust means remembering our part as the ones who betray Jesus. The Gospel of John puts it this way. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Our own sin is part of the truth that confronts us on Ash Wednesday. Jesus reminds us in his words to his disciples of our active part in the brokenness and sin that his death and resurrection address. Jesus' words to his disciples confront me because they reveal an aspect of my participation, part of my participation, and God's story that's difficult to stomach. Remembering that I am dust means remembering it was for me that Christ came into the world, and it was for me that he died. I am culpable. I'm a perpetrator. I, f- I find myself as in God's big story of death and resurrection as the betrayer. Sobering good news. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In a couple minutes, we'll have the opportunity to come forward and receive ashes on our foreheads, and these are the words that will be spoken over us. And these words come from Scripture. We find them in Genesis 3, in what God says to Adam and Eve after they betray him in Eden. 
Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We are the ones who betrayed Jesus, like Adam and Eve, looking to anyone but him to satisfy us, looking to a forbidden fruit, turning away from the one who truly gives life. He was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and three days after being, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. I need this teaching, we need this teaching, that this beautiful story of death and resurrection that we are drawn into has been accomplished for our sake, on our behalf as ones who sin, for us and for our salvation. Salvation from our sins. Sobering good news. Like the disciples, when Jesus teaches me this, I often don't understand what he is saying, and I'm afraid to ask. It's hard for me to understand my own sin. It's hard for me to come to terms with my places of utter neediness, with my pride, to stare my brokenness and failings in the face. And this is the hard work the Spirit calls us to during Lent. And we see the spiral of this Genesis 3 brokenness, not just in our own sins, but in the sins that have been committed against us. Each of our stories holds pain. And we talk so often at Pillar about God's making all things new which implies that we live in a world that is longing to be made new in every way, and we feel that. There's a real sense in which God's kingdom is here and now by the Spirit, and yet God's kingdom is not yet here in its fullness. Our daily experiences often reflect the still-pressing not-yet of living in a world where there's death and decay. We pray like Jesus taught us to you, saying, Thy kingdom come. And when we remember that we are dust, we remember God's story. We remember our part in God's story as the ones who are created, the ones who are not self-made, and as ones who, whose hearts are wayward. Jesus' words to us on Ash Wednesday remind us of God's story and the sobering side of our part in it. And Jesus' words to us on Ash Wednesday also reveal our self-deception. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. In one question, Jesus brings his disciples to silence. Because they know Jesus, they know his character, they've been walking with him. They know he is the God who is self-giving. They've witnessed his sacrificial love for everyone they've come in contact with. And they've tasted and seen his humility, his deep selflessness, and in the presence of Jesus, they realized the futility of their striving for greatness. Who is the greatest? This question does not align with the way of Jesus. This question falls flat in the presence of the one who 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, in our likeness. What were you arguing about on the way? Jesus asked, but they were silent. In their moment of silence, the disciples recognize their self-deception. They've deceived themselves because they began to believe that following Jesus was about being great. They've deceived themselves because they began to believe that they had to be great and that they could be great. We are like the disciples, striving tirelessly to prove ourselves. We attempt to outpace the truth that we are dust. We think our futures rest entirely in our hands, and that if we just network enough and stick to our self-improvement plans, we'll become great. At least I do. (laughs) There's an impulse in each one of us to assure ourselves that We can make it. We can do it. We are great. We can be great. And in the presence of Jesus, we realize that we've deceived ourselves. And when I hear this word from God, tensions arise in me. I begin to recognize the patterns of self-sufficiency that I've created for myself. The ways that, as a disciple of Jesus, I think I can go do big things for God that receive recognition because of my greatness. But I've deceived myself, and we've deceived ourselves. To remember that we are dust, and that we will return to dust, is to confront the ways we've propped ourselves up as great. And to remember that we are small, and utterly dependent on Jesus in every way. Can we take a moment to come to terms with our dustiness? Entering into Jesus' way of self-denial that Jenna called us to on Sunday begins with acknowledging that we are not the greatest. We don't have to be, and we're not called to be. Sobering good news. And I, I wonder what it felt like to be one of the disciples in that moment after Jesus' question to be called out by their gentle Savior who knows their hearts. And Jesus doesn't slam them. He doesn't call them to the mat, but he gently shows them the futility of their striving for greatness and their self-deception. In his words to his disciples, Jesus gently reveals to us the ways we've deceived ourselves. Through God's word to us on Ash Wednesday, we find ourselves in God's story as ones who have sinned. We recognize our self-deception. And finally, we see that Jesus is enough. Let's listen again to these last few verses. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be the first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put him among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. 
Whoever wants to be the first must be last of all and servant of all. When Jesus says this, it's autobiographical. It's about him. He is the one who has become last of all and servant of all. And because of Jesus, we find ourselves in God's story as beloved dust. Dust who have betrayed Jesus. Dust who deceive ourselves. But ultimately, dust who are united with Christ, held by God, and deeply loved. It's such good news. Sorry. <laughs> God comes to us in Jesus, and he has chosen to meet us in our frailty. Jesus entered our dustness, becoming human himself, to fully identify with us. This is good news. God holds us as little children, as loved beyond measure. What we've done is not who we are, and Jesus is God's full and final word to us. Jesus is enough for us in the midst of our frailties, mortality, and insufficiencies. Jesus is enough for us as we live in the already-not-yet world post-Genesis 3. In unemployment, Jesus is enough. In whatever we're carrying, Jesus is enough. In the face of dementia that continues to tighten its grip on our loved ones, Jesus is enough. In the shame we carry, Jesus is enough. In the frailty of chronic illness, Jesus is enough. And it might not always feel like that. We might hear the gospel and we might not always be weeping. But <laughs> it, might, um, it might come as a truth when we're in a dry space that we just need to hear. But to remember that we are dust is to see ourselves rightly and to see Jesus as entirely enough for us. Paul's letter to the Corinthians puts it this way. He is the source of our life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Jesus says to us, you are mortal, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And I love you. He is the one in whom we boast. We are utterly reliant on someone outside of ourselves, the triune God. So bring good news. Would you pray with me? <laughs> Jesus, you are utterly enough for us. And we praise you for your word to us that in the midst of our dust, our weakness, our frailty, you come in Jesus and give us life in abundance. Amen. <laughs>